Welcome to the All Around Joe Podcast, where we optimize your human performance from my personal experience as an athlete, coach, and all-around self-improvement junkie. On this edition of the All Around Joe Podcast, I have an awesome guest. His name is Josh Todd, and he is an expert in the habit and addiction industry. Why do we care about that? Because so many of the things that we do are habits slash addictions. We get into like what the difference, if there is any difference at all, of the habits and addictions, which is incredibly interesting. And you should know that if you can set up your life with specific habits, they will help you to reach your goals. So you can direct your habits towards your goals. And having Josh on the podcast here, being an expert in working on not only positive habits, but also breaking negative habits, we have some really great life-changing stuff here from Josh that you're going to get on this podcast. So enjoy it. Let myself, or even better, let Josh know if you have any questions about the habits and addictions. And enjoy the podcast. We'll see you on the flip side. Josh, how's it going today? Great, man. How are you? I am good. I appreciate you taking the time to be on the All Around Joe podcast. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. It's my yeah. first podcast, so... This is awesome. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> well, yeah, hopefully, uh, I'm sure this is going to be the first of many because your social media is on fire as far as stuff that is actually useful for people to put into their lives. Um, and I'm excited to dig in today. The f- Go ahead. I noticed, uh, I was looking through your podcast a while ago and I noticed that you had another Josh on yeah, uh, and he, uh, talking yeah. about that. Yeah, we did. I'm I'm really interested in habits right now. I think that they're one of the most powerful things that we can really talk about with people and that people uh, get in or out of them kind of like subconsciously and don't realize it. So as a fitness professional myself and trying to get people to make good choices around health, fitness, and nutrition, I'm personally very interested in learning about you know how habits work from people like yourself and like how we can influence people to in a positive way to make positive choices and habits for themselves so right there we have it so my first question for you is what's kind of like your story man where did you grow up where are you from and how did that get you interested in this habit industry well i could probably go on for a long time with that but uh (laughs) I come from from a, a small town called Timmins, Ontario, which is uh, about 10 hours north from where I am now. Um, I guess our claim to fame is that Shania Twain is from there. So <laughs> that's usually how people know of it. Um, but yeah, so I, I grew up in Timmins. And then after high school, I moved to a town called Guelph, Ontario to go to school, go to university. And then um, so I majored in psychology and criminal justice. And then I, I kind of took a, a break, a year break, and trying to figure out what the hell I'm going to do with those, with that degree, right? As a lot of people are trying to wonder when they're uh, finishing school. Um, so then I took a program called Concurrent Disorders. Um, so in case you're not aware, a concurrent disorder is when somebody suffers from both a mental illness and an addiction at the same time. Um, so that kind of got me into the field. And so um, I started working at a residential treatment center for recently released inmates. Um, and then, yeah, from there, I kind of dipped my toe into that, enjoyed the population, enjoyed the work, 
And so I started working at a private rehab facility, uh, which was interesting as well. Um, and then now I'm working as an addiction counselor for a nonprofit here in Kitchener. And so I've always wanted to kind of branch out on my own and implement what I know and what I've learned over the years um, as kind of a side side gig. So I started doing uh, habit coaching. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. And I've got a couple questions about that. So number one, what is a habit? And then how are habit and addiction similar or different? That's a good question. So a habit I would define as a perpetual um, behavior that is usually unconscious, that is driven by factors that uh, we might not always be aware of. Um, and it's whether that's healthy or not, right? Because there's healthy and un- unhealthy habits. Um, and it's the addiction and habit question is interesting because when I started um, looking to do habit coaching, I originally was going to call it addiction coaching, but uh, I changed my mind. I, I decided to call it habit coaching instead because there's such a stigmatization around the word addiction, right? So many sure. people have negative. Uh, views of what addiction means. So I uh, instead shifted that over to talking about habits instead. Um, I guess the difference in people's minds, I suppose, usually we think of addiction as unhealthy habits and a habit is something that's less severe, um, something that is um, less damaging to ourselves. So, um, but to me, I don't, I don't really see the difference between the two of them. Um, I actually don't like that word addiction because, because of all that stigma attached to it. Yeah. Interesting. I never actually thought about that before. So I, I really am interested that we're digging into this. And at what point did you get interested in going down this road of addiction and habit and, and why, like, what was the spark that you're like, man, I'd really want to help people or, and this is the best way, or I'm interested in the science of it. Or like, what was that for you? Yeah, a little bit of both, I guess. Um, so like I said, I studied psychology and criminal justice at school. And I guess I was trying to find a way to combine the two, right? Because um, in university, psychology professors and sociology professors tend to butt heads. One sees the other. Uh, prof- psychology views sociology as kind of uh, too macro and sociology views psychology as too micro. So uh, I've always been interested in trying to combine the two because I think both complement each other really well in a lot of ways. So uh, with addictions, I often interact with both of those, right? So I'm dealing with um, people who have addiction, uh, which often leads to uh, working with people who have mental health issues. And unfortunately, a lot of those people also run into the law as well, right? So the first place I worked, um, it was almost exclusively people coming out of prison. I guess to short answer, um, I was interested in the brain and human behavior and addiction just uh, is one of those, one of those things that people don't really agree on uh, and is a, it's a challenge, right? So I thought uh, it would be a good, good uh, field to work in. Yeah. How does one build an addiction or habit? Is it genetic? Is it something they have to do a certain amount of times? Like what, you know, from, from like a positive and a negative standpoint, you know, like if somebody's going down, uh, let's say, uh, alcohol abuse addiction versus like a, you know, some sort of issue with their eating or whatever it may be. A, you know, any of those things I'm really interested in knowing about. 
Yeah, so I kind of see it as a uh, like three pillars. Um, one is a genetic component, one is an environmental component, and then the other is a psychological component. Um, okay. And they all interact with each other. So some people are more predisposed gen- genetically to develop certain habits, right? And we see that with, I, I certainly see that all the time where I have a client who's who has a family history of addiction, right? Um, and so you're definitely more likely to develop a negative habit or addiction if there's a family history there. And then you go into the environment uh, factor as well. So um, let's say somebody grew up around uh, parents who drank alcohol or did drugs, right? Um, That environment usually isn't really conducive to fostering a healthy development. Um, And then if like, there's so many environmental factors that can influence somebody, right? Um, Whether that's abuse, um, trauma, anything like that. Um, we're talking about addiction here, right? Like something like something severe, like alcoholism or, or drug use. Um, but when it comes to other habits, so you brought up eating disorders, I think at a fundamental level, they're all the same. They're just expressed differently. So somebody who learns to seek comfort with food, I would argue is the same as somebody who seeks comfort from drugs or alcohol. It's just that one might be more detrimental than the other. Right. Yeah. Um, so whether that person experienced trauma in the past or um, physical or mental abuse or what have you. Um, yeah. They all contribute to that type of um, severe habit or addiction. And if somebody had a traumatic experience that led them down that road, is there something chemical about that experience in our brain that makes it easier to go towards the habit or addiction? Yeah. Um, so let's just paint a picture of somebody who grew up in an abusive household. Uh, maybe there's drugs and alcohol around. Uh, maybe they didn't do so well at school as far as like uh, socially, they were bullied a lot. All of that combines to make a not so happy person, right? So they have difficulty finding happiness both at home, in their social life, all of that. And so maybe one day when they're 14 years old, they, they take their first uh, drink of, of beer and, um, they, they, they see the effects of it and they, they enjoy the, the numbing feeling or the, the feeling they get from the beer. Um, that's just a very simplistic example, but it kind of s- starts towards there. Um, because if, if their brain, as they're growing up, isn't used to having um, those social bonds and, and connections with other people and finding happiness, well, their brain at a fun- fundamental level is not able to produce those feel-good chemicals as efficiently as someone else might, right? So we're talking about dopamine and serotonin and all that. So their brain does change because of the environment, right? Yeah, that's super interesting. And can we flip that on its head? And can we say like, all right, we need to create a, like a positive stressful environment and then put someone in a situation where they're like uh, working out with friends when they're at that age and create a positive or habit or addiction for exercise? Would that work? Yeah, of course. Um, as long as the person enjoys it, right? Okay. So that's the key is the enjoyment? I think so. I think okay. when we're talking about developing ha- uh, healthy habits, so mm-hmm. for you, for example, uh, you like to exercise, obviously. Um, <laughs> so if, if you didn't enjoy that, that type of exercise that you do on your podcast or uh, on your videos, 
Yeah. Then you simply wouldn't have done it as long as you did, right? Yeah, unless it was that I knew that it was for a positive thing. So like there's a bunch of things like I don't enjoy exercising every day, but I enjoy the positive effects that I get from it every day. So like, you know, yesterday I was super sore, didn't feel like working out at all, wasn't even in the mood to necessarily do it, but I did it anyway. And when I was done, I felt good about myself because I did it. Yeah, so. that's a good example. But if if you hated if you absolutely hated that exercise those exercises you do. Yeah. You you might not have developed that habit to to continue over the years, right? For so sure. let's take uh you said how if we can flip it on on the reverse and say parents who instill the habit of healthy eating as a child into for their children, right? More likely than not, that's going to build them up to for success in the future and continue to eat healthily, right? Versus the parents who, I don't know, maybe um, feed their children fast food and junk food and like that, stuff like that. They're, they're not going to know those skills necessary for cooking and finding those nu- nutritious uh, foods and stuff like that. So yeah, you, you can do the exact op- exact same thing for positive habits as you do for negative habits cool and what's what if any is there a hack for this so like if i come to you and i hire you as a habit coach and i'm trying to create a new positive habit yeah what is or is there is a sequence that we go down in order to put ourselves in these environments to do these things and maybe you know i'd love to see what if if I didn't like that particular habit I was trying to do, you know, would it still, is it still possible? So I guess there's two questions in there. For your last question. I don't, I don't think so. Like you can force somebody to do, or if, if somebody truly does not want to do something, like I could have a goal of, I want a six pack in, in six months. But if I really do not like the, the steps needed to get there, yeah. it's, it's going to be a lot more difficult than somebody who's, who enjoys you know, cardio, cardiovascular exercise and eating healthy and stuff like that. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just, so in, in addiction, we, we often view the, these stages. Uh, it, it's literally called the stages of change. So it uh, basically determines how ready somebody is for change. Okay. Um, so it starts off with the pre-contemplative stage, which means somebody isn't ready, isn't even aware that they need to change. And then there's the contemplative stage. So um, let's say um, it, it's unhealthy eating. Um, I'm, a, I'm aware that that food is unhealthy for me and it's having these damaging effects on me, but I'm not, I'm not ready to, to take the plunge and I'm not exactly ready to change yet, right? And then uh, from there, a person moves on to um, the, action, the, the action stage. Um, where they take action and, and actually are willing to commit to, to, to work on, on uh, the problem that they're facing kind of less track of what your question was. <laughs> so yeah, you you were answering it. So like the, the steps that it would take to form a positive habit or, uh, or addiction. So you, once they're ready to take action, is that the point then that if I was that person and I was ready to take action, is that the point that I would reach out to somebody like you potentially and hire yeah. you and then you, from there, what steps would you take me down in order to create that habit or, or yeah. positive addiction? Um, so first, I would try to get to know you as much as possible, right? So, um, but focusing around that that habit that you want to change, um, because again, so determining does that person do you actually want to change? 
um, that behavior. And if I determine or we determine that, yes, you actually do want to change that and are committed to doing it, then I give you some, I, I might give you some suggestions to try based on um, what your life is like. So let's say, let's take exercise uh, just because your audience is, revolves around that. Um, let's say uh, you really want to start exercising and to lose weight. Um, I would break it down to into many steps. So let's say your ultimate goal is to lose 50 pounds. Well, 50 pounds might look like a big task, right? Um, and people get off and get dis- discouraged because it's such a huge goal sometimes. And uh, it's hard to see down the line that far, right? So instead of looking at that end goal of 50 pounds, I'll break it up. So let's say one week, our goal is to lose two pounds, three pounds, stuff like that. So I'd break it down so that it's manageable and I would work around their lives so that it's most realistic. Because if I just say, hey, Joe, go uh, go run for an hour every every second day, well, that doesn't really give you any direction, right? You, you might be super busy with 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 work with your family stuff like that so ra- rather than just saying hey joe go run for an hour i would say okay joe what point of the day do you think that you can get this done is it morning time before you go to work is it after work is it on your lunch um so making it realistic right so um yeah just build it build those goals around a person's life rather than just saying hey go do this because that's not realistic Absolutely. At what point do does it start to lock in for somebody, and where does this the habit form where they're in this rhythm or habit that they feel like it's easy? I guess, or like you know, these things where um, it's the norm, or they are the person that goes out and exercises, you know, x number of days a week, so it becomes part of them, and hence a habit that they have. Yeah. It's different for everybody, right? There's a, there's a popular myth out there that says that uh, it takes 21 days to change a habit or develop a habit. That's, that's not true. Um, it, it could take you 21 days or, or 30 days to, to, um, to start eating healthy consistently, but it might take me two months, right? Everybody's different. It depends on how ingrained your previous habits are, how committed that person is to change. and, and honestly, their environment, right? Like I might be, I might have a super stressful environment where uh, my home life isn't, isn't the greatest work is stressing me out. Whereas you might have a more relaxed, uh, more relaxed schedule. That's going to be more conducive to your changing. Um, So it's, it's different for everybody, but um, I would say that the moment a person feels like they actually miss doing that new habit, is when is it's ingrained. You know what I mean? Yep, absolutely. And what about if you're trying to break somebody's bad habit? At what point do you feel like, well, I guess, how would you take that same person away from this habit to, I guess, blank slate or do you fill in another habit that's positive for them? And then at what point do you do they know or you know that you think they've broken it? When it comes to breaking a bad habit, I try to ask the person or get the person to think of, Okay, what is this habit fulfilling for you? Because at the end of the day, every bad habit in my or even good habit uh, fulfills some sort of need. For me, eating a healthy meal fulfills the need of feeling satisfied and feeling like I, you know, I'm I'm going to be healthy. Um, Saying uh, uh, conversely, if you're talking about um, 
somebody who smokes cigarettes that fulfills a need. Of course, there's a bio, there's a physical addiction to the nicotine, but there's also a, a, a fulfillment there. So whether that's a need to step out of the office for 10 minutes to get away from everything and feel relaxed, well, that's fulfilling a need, right? So how do we replace the cigarette smoking with something healthy to give you, to give you that same reward, right? So instead of taking a break for 10 minutes to go for a cigarette to get away from everybody, how about go outside and, and walk for 10 minutes to get away from everybody? It's fulfilling the same need uh, just through a healthier means. Um, so I guess that's what I would, that's what I would do, right? Is try to find out what, what is that bad habit accomplishing for you and how can we uh, substitute something that's healthy to fulfill that same need? Sure. Do you ever run into people that say that they want to have this habit uh, removed and they come to you and they hire you and then they're, it seems like from your perspective that they're not actually wanting it to remove that bad. So they keep going back to it. Um, and you're trying to have to figure out these ways to, to replace it. I mean, cause it's, it, I get what you're saying with like, yeah, let's go for a walk or whatnot. And, um, that totally makes sense. And I've also gone down the road of dealing with a lot of people with nutrition, uh, issues or, you know, like let's even say alcohol, right? They, they come to me and they're like, I want to lose weight. And you find out that they drink a lot of alcohol and they know that they want to stop drinking alcohol and they hired you to do it and they keep going back to it. What do you do at that point? So if you're presenting them with a challenge or a goal to, in order to accomplish their, their goal, and they seem to be resistant and just shoot down your ideas or come up with excuses to why they didn't do it. Mm-hmm. There's probably something else going on there, right? It might not necessarily be that they don't want to accomplish that goal, but it might be something else that's stopping them from doing it. So for the example you gave me, the person who wants to lose weight but keeps drinking alcohol, again, that alcohol is probably fulfilling some sort of need for them, whether that's relaxation, whether that's feeling like, I need to numb out for a bit or I just like the taste of alcohol. So I would look at what is what are the barriers to accomplishing that goal? I don't I wouldn't I wouldn't flat out disagree. I wouldn't flat out uh, accuse them of not actually wanting that goal, but I would I would look at the barriers that are in their lives that might be stopping them from doing it. And what if that barrier that they're coming up with is this feeling this numb feeling from alcohol and they don't know how to replace that i I mean just because i'm thinking about it and i can't come up with anything myself how would you deal with that off the top of my head i guess so let's say a person wants uses alcohol as a crutch to kind of you know get away from feeling certain things Um, i would look for alternative coping strategies so whether that's um mindfulness or meditation, things like that, that really get you to focus in on your, on yourself and really examine why you're, why do you need that to feel numb? Right. Cause why, what, what is it about your life that is making you go towards alcohol in order to feel that way? There must be something, whether that's stress, whether that's uh, um, low self-esteem, whether that's uh, your job, anything, right. Mm-hmm. That thing is giving you something. How can we replace it? Do you ever go down the path like that with people? And once you start opening these doors for them, they start to put up resistance? Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah. Um, put up resistance as far as like what we're like, trying to achieve or. Yeah. Like making excuses why, you know, those things will not work for them or, you know, they, they start to get a little bit not as friendly, I would say, like they're starting to hesitate on like what the information is that they're giving you. And you can tell that there is something very sensitive around that. Um, what do you do at that point? Yeah, I just, <laughs> I tell them to give it a try. And if they don't like the idea, well, then I'm going to explore why they don't like that idea. And at the end of the day, it's their decision, right? Like, as a coach, you know, you, you can't force somebody to do something, right? It's, it, it's their choice. It's that they have, they have to be committed to do that. So yeah, it's, it's sometimes some people are harder than others, right? They might, one person might be totally open to your suggestions and, and try everything you have to, to give them, but uh, others might not be so open. And so I think you have to go back to the drawing board and say, okay, like what is stopping you from trying this? Because you, you tried steps A, B, C, but when I gave you step D, you're totally, your back is up against the wall and you don't want to do it. So there must be a reason behind it. And this is coming selfishly and for all the coaches that are listening to this podcast that are, you know, fit, health and fitness coaches and they've gone down this road before. At, at what point do you kind of step back and stop trying to be a coach and say, hey, you know, I don't know that I can help you right now or do you keep on trying to help, you know, because I come from a place of like wanting to actually help these people and there's sometimes where these, you get to these barriers and you feel like you just can't get through them. Do you need to step away at that point? What do you, how do you think of that? Yeah. So my job as a addiction counselor, I work with a lot of people who, who put up those barriers and who, who give me a fight, right? Like a real fight when it comes to when trying to help them out. Um, and there's a very common saying in our field is that once the counselor starts working harder than the client, that's when you need to reevaluate. So when you find yourself work, putting in more effort for the person than the person is willing to give, that's when you need to say, okay, I need to step back and maybe come back when you feel like you're ready and let them reach out, right? Because you can't bang your head against the wall and expect them to change when they're not doing anything. Um, it's just going to create more stress for you. It might uh, create some sort of some resentment and it may, might make you want to give up and it might damage that relationship in the long run. Right. So there's, there's a point where you have to say, okay, this isn't the right time for you. Maybe we'll reconvene in a month or a year or whatever, however long it takes for you to feel like you're ready to continue. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that coming from a, a fitness and personal training background, that happens a lot where people get to that point and it's really hard to figure it out. But I like what you said when you feel like you're giving more than the actual client is, that's a point to reevaluate. And I'm thinking back and I'm like, man, I've done that. I've had a lot of situations like that where I feel that I'm giving more than that particular person, but I would have lost all my income if I would have stopped. <laughs> yeah. So that's interesting, right? Like, what do you stop even though it might cause you to lose money, right? Like it's yeah. your job, right? So if the fewer clients you have, the less money you're going to make. But uh, so I guess the balancing act, the balance that you have to find is, can I put boundaries on this person who's giving me issues without 
losing income or whatever it is that you're getting from that, that client. Um, because at the end of the day, I just, especially in, in this, this field that I work in, the, the, the counselors need to take care of themselves as well, because just like you, I'm sure fitness coaches and everything else, they have a, they have a internal need and want to help, help people. Right. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you need to take care of yourself as well. Because if, if, if you have too many people that are causing you um, stress and anxiety around not being able to, to help them, you're not going to last forever. You're, you're not going to be able to do this job for a long time. So you have to find that balance of, okay, do I continue to work with this person and maybe take a, or stop the relationship and maybe take a loss of income? Um, it's, and it also, I guess your stress tolerance too, right? So you got to find everybody's different. So you got to find, uh, you got to find that balance for yourself. How much are you willing, how much pushback are you willing to take before you say, I got to end this relationship? Good stuff. Individual. Yeah. It's individualized to, to the coach or or counselor, whoever, whatever helping role it is. For sure. And just the last, the last thing on this particular part of it is like, I remember getting to the point where I was working with enough people that I could actually say, I'm not going to work with you anymore. Or like, you know, discontinue that relationship. And that was like the greatest thing ever, because as you're building up a a client book, you know, you don't have that luxury all the time of what we call, you know, firing clients. Um, But once you can, man, if you can get a bunch of people that are willing to listen to you and want to change and, um, you know, increase your energy level when you're working with them, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I, I once worked at a place that, uh, was a really toxic work environment. Like it, it was just such a bad place to work that when I, I quit, yeah, I had to worry about income and finding a job now, but I walked out of that building feeling like all my stress is gone. It was like lifting a building off of my shoulders. It just felt so good to get rid of. It's, it's just like a relationship, right? If you're in a toxic relationship and you're not doing well, there's a point where you got to say, okay, we got to call it quits. I'm gonna get out of the relationship. It's the same with everything else. Sure. Yeah, as I've had that. Get same rid of that stressor or toxic whatever. Yeah. You're gonna feel so much better. And honestly, when it comes to money, like you mentioned, the potential for loss of income. There's always ways around that, right? There's ways of, um, yeah, you might lose a steady flow of income from this one person, but I think you're determined enough, and most coaches are determined enough to put in a bit of extra work to pick up another client. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so absolutely. There's ways around it. At the end of the day, I think getting rid of those stressors are more important than money and everything else because it, because you're taking care of yourself. And if you don't do that, you're not going to be able to coach anybody else. Couldn't have said it better myself. And in fact, I think I've done a whole podcast on that topic. So I, I love it. And uh, thank you for, for clearing that up for us. And yeah, no <laughs> moving back kind of into the person that's trying to change the habit themselves. And if they're looking for a first step, they would number one, probably hire somebody like yourself to help them and work through that. But I do know people that are coach adverse. Um, do you have any kind of like apps or technology or anything like that that you recommend or books or things like that, that people could go down? Or Yeah, for about? sure. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of, good resources. So for example, if somebody doesn't like the idea of 
working in person with a coach or, or whoever, um, there's always online options, right? So people are more inclined to, to be working online on a keyboard or through their phone, less face-to-face interaction, right? So if, if somebody really does not feel comfortable working with somebody in person, there's always online options. So like coach me is a great example. Um, yep. You don't need to talk to anybody on the phone unless you want to, you can, uh, yeah, and pay more money for it. But you can you can work from your computer and have somebody coach you through the steps. Obviously, there's there's a downside to that because there's a lot that's lost from conversation like what we're doing now versus on the keyboard. But uh, that's a start. But if you if you generally just want to work on your habits by yourself, uh, there's there's tons of apps on on Android and iOS that you can download. For example, there's a uh, a quit smoking app and a quit drinking app that you can download. And so what you do is it'll ask you some questions like how much, how many cigarettes do you smoke a day? How much does your pack cost? Um, When was your quit date? And then as the days go by, you can see how much money you're saving. And so, especially for something like smoking, you don't always see the benefit of quitting, right? So that's an extra incentive for people to quit because they can see how much money they're, they're saving every day. Um, so there, there's stuff like that. There's, um, I, f- I found that mindfulness is really a really good, good point for people to, uh, to start working on their, on their bad habits or habits in general, because it really gets you to focus on, on the present and what's going on in your mind. Because a lot of times we're on autopilot, right? We don't, we don't really like a whole day can go by and you, you think to yourself, how did it, how did the time go by so quickly, right? So taking 10 minutes, 15 minutes out of your day to just sit down with your thoughts and think about what you're doing and what you're feeling can be really powerful, right? So there's apps like uh, Headspace I've used, Calm, things like that. I'm sure if anybody just looks up habit or addiction apps, there's going to be a slew of them, right? So yeah, for sure. And do you think that it is the most effective in doing like a a face to face over the internet or in person? Um, and how does that differ? So, like, if somebody wants to make the change, no matter what, they're like, "I'm full in on this." Would you recommend they go for hire somebody in person, or could they hire somebody like you that would do a Zoom call with them in order to work through it? Honestly, I don't see much difference between a Zoom call and in person. Okay, is that something that you do personally? what like zoom. uh zoom type stuff with coach me yeah if they want to they're more than welcome right um usually it'll be a text-based coaching or a phone call so people will request a phone call from me because um a it's a lot quicker than typing and waiting for the other person to respond b i find people are a lot more comfortable speaking on the for the most part about this because it, it's just more advantageous to do it over the phone or person because you can sense people's tones, you can sense their, their inflections, things like that, that, you know, it might be lost in text and uh, somebody might misconstrue something you say, right? Accidentally. I might say one thing that's not meant to offend them at all, but they might, because of the way they read it, it might come out offensive or, or, or whatever. So there's pros and cons to both, right? So, um, but I do definitely think in-person is better. Yeah, just because at a fundamental level, we evolved to be around other people and we get the most out of being in front of 
another person and talking to them and, you know, being in their presence versus on a computer. Our senses didn't evolve to connect and bond with people over computer, which I think a lot of people are missing when they have those bad habits is, you know, feeling like they're connecting to people. If there, if there was somebody like, for example, in Seattle or New York, and they wanted to work with somebody like you, and they wanted to go find somebody in person, what would you recommend that they search for? And then once they're searching, what are you looking for in that particular person? What am I looking for in a helper for them, like a coach? Yep. So if somebody in New York is looking for an in-person coach or therapist or, or whatever, most, most coaches are online, right? In, in, in some capacity. So just doing a search on like, let's say it's fitness. You can do a, a quick search on fitness coaches. And then um, I guess looking at, you know, their experience, education, I mean, education isn't everything, right. But looking at their background, seeing what they, what they've done in the past and whether they're qualified, right. Whether you, you deem them qualified to, to work with you. I think it's, it's important because, if somebody looks me up and is looking for a fitness coach and hires me, I don't know the first thing about coaching somebody in fitness other than, you know, go, go exercise versus someone like you who's a lot more qualified for that area. I would look out for that. So. Sure. Are there any questions that you would ask somebody in your field that was looking for a habit specific coach? You know, if somebody's going to hire me, I could tell you probably five or 10 things that I would go ask that particular person just to make sure that they were going to be qualified and whatnot. Um, yes. Does anything come to mind for you as questions of like, if, if I was going to hire you, what questions would you recommend that I ask to know that you're legit? Yeah. So I would ask them what their approach is. So at least in addiction, there's two competing approaches to, to dealing with addiction and habits. It's harm reduction and abstinence. abstinence. So Harm reduction is kind of a philosophy that deals with how can we do something the safest way possible versus total abstinence. So abstinence would involve uh, groups like AA or NA, things like that, that totally stop where it involves complete uh, stopping of your your substance. So I I would ask them addiction specific questions about like, where do you stand on this versus this? And what's your approach? And uh, it's difficult, right? Because everybody needs somebody somebody different. It's it's just like any relationship. You're not going to be compatible with everybody with everybody, right? Just because one coach might not be suitable for you doesn't mean the other one won't. Right. Like I, I hear of a lot of people who stop going to therapy or, or counseling because they didn't like the person that were, they were working with. Well, that doesn't mean counseling or therapy doesn't work. It just means that you didn't get along with that person. Right. So it, it's it's really trial and error, I think. Um, which is difficult when you're working with people who have a difficult time with motivation and changing habits, because once you're in that moment of, okay, I need to change and need to do this, you, you have to take advantage of that, of those feelings, right? So they might not have the time to, you know, try different coaches. Yeah. Interesting. So it, it's difficult. It's a difficult thing to, to say, right? So. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm with you too. I completely agree from a fitness standpoint where it's like, you got to kind of be a match for that person. The person has to know what they're talking about, but there's a big, you know, personality component as well that comes into play. What kind of, let, let's go into like promoting you a little bit. What kind of client do you ideally like to work with and feel like you match with the most? I feel like I 
identify with or work best with um, men who are my age or around my age. So I'm 30 years old. So I would say my ideal person to work with would be a a man between like 25 and 35. Um, I just feel like because we're of, we, we come from the same generation, the same upbringing. I just feel like there'd be a better connection there versus working with somebody who's 60 years old or 65 years old, right? Like just that age gap alone, it just, it's, there's so much that they've experienced and been through and that I might not be able to relate with. It doesn't mean I can't give suggestions to that person or work with them to, the best I can, but there's something, again, it's a relationship. So you're more likely to make friends with people your own age or your own generation versus somebody who's much older or younger than you because you have more that you can relate with. Sure. And you need to be able to do that in order to, you don't need to, but it, it's best to do that when when you can relate to that person and feel like there's a connection. Um, so yeah, I would say men between 25 and 35 would be my ideal group. And is there any specific type of habit or addiction that you like to work on better than others or that you found that are, it's just more interesting to you? Well, they're all interesting. That's okay. Sure. That's fair enough. Uh, no, um, I guess my specialty would be drugs and alcohol because that's what I work with on a daily basis at my, at my job. Right. I, I work with folks who are addicted to alcohol, crystal meth, cocaine, crack. Um, I deal with all those, those hard drugs. Right. So um, I guess I'm more familiar with those, but I could, I, I definitely love working with people who are trying to cut back on technology use, oh, yeah. uh, which is ironic because we're meeting over, <laughs> over zoom. <laughs> we'll turn it off when we're, as soon as we're done, we'll turn it all off. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll go in the park or something. And just, <laughs> Meditate. Uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like that's a common issue right now is uh, people using their their phones and computers and watching TV way too much. Actually, and if I'm being completely honest, since the pandemic hit, I found myself to be a lot more dependent on my phone. Yeah, uh, Like I'm finding myself on my phone a lot more often than I used to be. Uh, and I know it's a problem, so I'm trying to cut back on that. Uh, so I feel like that's something that a lot of people are trying to work on and, uh, it's, it's a challenge because it's everywhere. Right. And so I kind of like that aspect of it, that it's a challenge. Is there something with the technology that is changing our chemistry that makes it hard to change? Yeah, I would say so. Um, it's interesting because you think about social media, it's all instant gratification. Like it's built around instant gratification. So you see, you post a photo of your vacation, for example, and people like it on Facebook or, or Instagram or whatever. You see that immediate thing, that thing that you're 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 looking for. It's 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 like it's similar to drug seeking behavior. It's like it's not as severe, but I would argue you're you're searching out for those that um, what's the word I'm looking for the um, the the validation, right? So. I post a picture on Facebook and people like or comment on it. And it, it gives me that, that sense of gratification. It's delaying those gratifications. That's becoming a lot more difficult for people because everything is right away. Everything like, if I want to, if I want to look something up online, it, I get it immediately. There's no more waiting for that thing that you're looking for. Right. 
So it makes it difficult for people to find pleasure in things that people used to find pleasure in before, like reading, for example, like reading takes time. Um, but you can watch the movie in an hour, hour and a half and get the same result. Well, not the same result, but you're getting the same story. So technology is so convenient that it makes it difficult to find pleasure in things that take time. Right. So yeah, that technology is a challenge because it's evolving all the time and people are becoming more reliant on it. Yeah. It's a really interesting topic. And, uh, I deal with it all the time with people with fitness and helping with sleep and things like that. So man, it's, it's interesting, but anyway, I've, I've really enjoyed this talk, Josh. It's been fantastic. I think that a lot of people will hopefully look into addiction and habits on a deeper level after listening to this. I know that I think it's just incredibly interesting, um, whether it is, you know, we're talking about drugs and alcohol or talking about, you know, food or we're talking about, you know, exercise or whatever it may be. Um, so I really thank you for doing that. Do you have some place that people can follow up with you or follow you on social? I know that, I, you know, I love following you on Instagram. Be, or I'm sorry, on uh, LinkedIn because you post such great stuff on there. So go ahead and let people know how they can stay in touch with you. Yeah. So um, on my website at uh, www.healthy-habits.ca, that's basically where my, all my information is for um, uh, whether you're interested in hiring me as a coach. And I also have a blog where I, uh, I try to update it every week. I try to write a blog every week. Um, so that's, that's mainly where, where all my information would be um, on LinkedIn. I, how do you find somebody on LinkedIn? You just say their name. Yeah, I usually just search for them. I mean, sometimes uh, you can set up a certain um, URL for LinkedIn, but I usually will just search for a name and then look for a picture. Yeah. So on LinkedIn, I'm at, uh, my name is Joshua Todd. So just type that in and you'll be able to find me. Um, also on Facebook, I have a group called Healthy Habits. So if you type in Healthy Habits uh, in Facebook, you'll be able to find me. Yeah. It's funny. We just start, finished talking about instant gratification and social media. And here I am. <laughs> telling people to look out for it. Uh, yeah, those are the main ways to find me. But if you, uh, if somebody wants is interested in looking into coaching and hiring me as a coach, you can find me at uh, coach.me um, forward slash jtodd100. And uh, you'll be able to find all my different packages and things that uh, we can work on together if people are interested. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Josh, this has been fantastic. And guys, I can highly recommend Josh and especially, you know, if you want to hire him to break or start a new habit and or just checking out his blog. I personally read his blog and it is one of the few blogs that I actually read because I think that the habit game is so impactful, um, whether it be, you know, like I said, for alcohol or fitness or whatever. So Josh, I really appreciate your time and we will hopefully talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that podcast with Josh Todd. Wow. If you're not just having your mind blown right now about how you can navigate habits and addiction in your own life to either increase your results or decrease bad results, I'm going to be just 
astonished because that was such good information. You may have started off thinking, oh, why, how is this going to relate to health and fitness? But it all relates to health and fitness because health and fitness ties into all other parts of our life. So if we have a habit of drinking too much alcohol, it's going to affect all of these different parts of our life. If we have a habit of staying up too late, looking at screens, it's going to affect our sleep, which is going to affect our brain, which is going to affect how we feel, our mood, all this other stuff. So you've got to make these connections. And Josh does a fantastic job of that. So I would highly recommend that you stay in touch with Josh by checking him out on LinkedIn and on Facebook. And if you want to get really deep into it and have him help you out, I would recommend hiring him on coach.me. So check out Josh Todd's work. I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, you can send them to me. You can send them to Josh. I can get those to Josh if you need me to. And remember, if you like this podcast, head over to iTunes. If you're listening to it on iTunes or wherever you're listening to it, give us a review. All reviews are positive for us. Helps us to get our, our message out to more people. And if you're not following us on social media already, head over to All Around Joe, pretty much anywhere on the internet, and give us a follow. I'm posting stuff almost daily about health, nutrition, wellness, all that fun stuff. And I hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your day, week, month, year. All right, guys, we will talk to you soon. The All Around Joe Podcast, where we optimize your human performance from my personal experience as an athlete, coach, and all-around self-improvement junkie. We'll see you on the next podcast.